2, starting in verse 8. And if you did not bring one with you, we have Bibles in the seat, uh, underneath the seats in front of you, and you can take one of those out. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And one of the things that we do here, if you're visiting with us, if you do not have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of ours. It is now yours. And we do that all the time, and I think this last year we, we had a few hundred Bibles during the year that we gave away uh, just on Sunday morning services, okay? So we mean that, take that Bible and use it and give it away if you know someone that needs a Bible. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14 is where we're, where we're going to be in a second. I was thinking... Back in my childhood, I grew, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and Christmas is a little different when you grow up in the desert or when you grow up in Southern California. Uh, songs like I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas and different things like that are thoroughly irrelevant uh, to the experience. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys were like this here in the valley, but uh, we were definitely like this. So I, I see a, a lot of sweaters and jackets and everything on right now. You realize how many people in the United States would just laugh at us if, if they saw us right now? I, I believe it was, I checked, it was 68 degrees when we came in here tonight. Okay, 68 degrees. If I remember correctly, my brother who lives in Colorado Springs this morning said it was negative 51 wind chill factor. Okay. So I'm not sure we need the sweaters. I'm not sure we need all of that. But I remember one of the things growing up was when it hit 80, we pulled out the sweaters in the Phoenix area. Man, it was, you know, because most of the time, the winter was hovering between 70 and 80 degrees. And it drew out the sweaters from the, the, the boxes and all that type of stuff. It's the only time we got to wear them. But if you just went an hour and a half north, it was 15 degrees up in Flagstaff, and it was just completely different. And the reason I share those stories, one, about drawing things out with certain times of year, just certain things kind of draw out of us and memories and, and things from the past and also what we do at certain times of the year, but also how reality can change from one spot to the next, from one spot to the next. And in the Christmas narrative, the reality that changes for, for Mary and for Joseph from, from going from their home down to Bethlehem, from one spot to the next, how everything changed in that time frame. And they knew it was going to change, and they knew what was going on, but it drew them to where God drew them to where they needed to be to fulfill prophecy to fulfill scripture. And tonight, in just a few moments here, I, I want us to look at how Jesus' birth drew the angels from the heavens, drew the shepherds to him, and also draws us to him as well. So take a look in your Bible there, starting in verse 8, and I'll read it for you, verses 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Can you imagine for a moment how amazed the angels were when they saw the Creator, the Creator God, Creator Jesus born as a simple little baby. The, the Word, the Word as it says in the Bible, coming as a speechless baby. Really, in other parts of the New Testament, there are great stories, commentaries on this wonderful thing. And one of them I love in 1 Timothy 3, where it says, Great is the mystery of godliness. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It's an incredible thought. The first announcement there of the Messiah's birth was given by an angel to who? Shepherds. Shepherds. Why shepherds? And many of you may know some of this. And it makes sense. But some people will go, you know, why not to the priests? I mean, they, they were doing God's work. The scribes. Well, by visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God towards mankind. And I want you to understand that. Shepherds were really, in a sense, the outcasts in the land. And I don't know if you have been to Israel even today. There's still shepherds wandering the, the, the slopes of the fields all throughout, uh, just outside of Jerusalem. And, and people kind of sneer at them still. You know, they're, they're like, oh, you know, they're a bunch of rogue gypsies and, and all of this type of stuff. But in this day and age as well, back then, the work they did made them unclean ceremonially. It kept them away from the temple for weeks at a time. So they could not become clean. They could not do what was necessary. And what it showed was that God calls the unclean. God calls the poor, the lowly. And the thing that we have to understand now is no matter your economic status in the room today, we are all poor and lowly. We are all poor and lowly because we all blow it. We all sin. We all are not, we're not perfect. We're broken people. We're, we're poor in, 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 in the fact that 
We are not like God in our brokenness. We, we are lowly because certainly we're not like Him in our sin. So if we understand our brokenness correctly, we are all like the shepherds. We are all poor and lowly. And the Messiah came to be both the good shepherd, as it says in John 10, and the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the world in John 1.29. Perhaps these shepherds were caring for the flocks that would provide the sacrifices for the temple services. It was very likely that that was part of what was going on. And it was fitting then that the good news about God's shepherd and lamb, those two things together, be given to the shepherds. And another thing, if you're a shepherd, you are not fooled by much. These, these guys were very practical men, had little to do with... You know, these were not the guys that would sit around and play fantasy football. These were hard-working guys. They had to work all day. They, at night, would have to guard the entrance to the pen if they had that. They worked and worked and worked. They were very practical and if they said that they saw angels and went and found the Messiah, you know what? People would believe them. People would believe them. They would say, yeah, these guys don't fool around. They don't. God selected hardworking men to be the first witnesses that his son had come into the world. Now, first we got to get the story right. Were there first tons of angels? No. One. One angel. And we're not even completely sure if it was Gabriel. But let's just, for the moment, say it was. And he gave the incredible announcement. Then a chorus of angels joined behind him gave an anthem of praise. So one of the things that's interesting here is, so the first time in centuries, the glory of God had returned to earth. If, if brave shepherds also were afraid of what they saw and heard there, you can be sure that this wasn't a group of little angels going, right? Shepherds took on the beasts. They, they took on, you know, the, the beasts of the field. They protected the sheep. And when an angel shows up and they go, oh, whoa, this wasn't some dude that was just like, hey guys, how's it going? They were afraid. And when that story was then shared, people would know, yeah, something went on. Something real went on. Also, in this narrative, if you look 
there, you see the word fear not. Fear not is one of the key themes of the Christmas story, and it is one of the key themes of Scripture. Literally, the angel in the narrative said, I announce to you good news, a great joy which shall be to all the people. He used a word there which means to preach the good news. It was a word in the book of Luke. Luke, who wrote this with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving him the words. Luke used this often in both this gospel and the book of Acts. And we see here Luke's emphasis on this is for the world. This is for the whole world. This is the gospel, the good news. It's for everyone. Yes, it's for the Jewish people, but it's for everyone. And what was the good news? And you look at the narrative there. The good news was not that God had sent a soldier. Jesus will end up being that soldier. But that wasn't what was going on then. The good news wasn't that he sent a soldier. It wasn't that he sent a judge. Oh, he will judge. It wasn't that he sent a reformer. Oh boy, did he reform. But that he had been sent as Savior. That he was sent as Savior to meet our greatest need. It was a message of peace. When we look around at the world today, uh, I don't think anyone in their right mind would say we're a world at peace. It was a message of peace then to a world that had known a ton of war. The famous, and it's called the, the Pax Romana, which was Roman peace supposedly, had been in effect since 27 B.C., but it was this fake absence of war. But it didn't guarantee anything that resembled the presence of peace. There was a first century philosopher, not a Christian, that said this about the peace that was going on at that time. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even for outward peace. Written 2,000 years ago. Yes, the, the Old Testament was full of the concept of the Hebrew word shalom, peace, which is what Christ brings, but it's much more than just a truce. A truce in the battles of life, a truce in wars all around us. It means complete well-being. It means complete in health, complete in prosperity, complete in security, complete in soundness of mind, completeness. It has to do more with character than it had anything to do with circumstances. Life was difficult back then, just as it is today. 
Did you know that taxes were high then? Yep. Taxes were extremely high. Did you know that morals were incredibly low? Divorce was rampant. Did you know that it was a military state that was in control in that time frame? And what's interesting is you had all of these different backgrounds going on in this time frame. You had Roman law, which was considered the best understanding of law that had ever happened on the planet up to that time. You had Roman law. You had Greek philosophy that had been going for years and years and years and philosophers giving an understanding to to how people think and, and what things are going on. You had Roman law, you had Greek philosophy, and you had the Jewish faith all sitting in this region and it did not meet the need of any of the men's hearts, the people's hearts at that time. Then something happened. God sent his son. There's a debate that goes on every year. It's gone on for a long, long, long time. And if you're a Christian in here tonight, you may know a little bit about this debate, but there's people within uh, the Christian world that debate whether uh, Christmas should be celebrated. Uh, Obviously, as the pastor here, you could kind of guess which side of the fence I fall on. We don't need to go any further on that. But one of the things that that I do see here is when we sing songs like angels we have heard on high and as we see this in the scripture that we're looking at here tonight the you know the the angels actually praised uh, at different times in the old testament we have uh, we have accounts of that angels praised god at creation did you know that job 38:7 angels praised god at creation and guess what Now they praise him again at the new creation. And the whole purpose of the plan of salvation from the beginning of when sin entered in the world, the the plan of salvation culminating with Christ coming to then live a perfect life and to take on our sins on the cross and to eliminate that far as the east is from the west in our lives those that believe the whole purpose of the plan of salvation gives glory to God because none of that can be done by our own doing God's glory dwelt in the tabernacle at one point in the Old Testament in Exodus 40 and then dwelt in the temple we see that in 2 Chronicles, but in 1 Samuel and in Ezekiel, in multiple places, we know that God's Spirit had departed, had left the temple. He said, I'm out of here. Why? Because of the sin of the people, but also because of the plan. The sin of the people was the instigation of 
the plan, which was from the beginning, and God's glory returns. So if the angels sing at the creation, you definitely are going to get angels singing at his presence coming back. You're definitely going to get that. His glory was returning to earth in the person of his son, as it says in John 1.14. That lowly manger was, in essence, at that second, the holy of holies. Because Jesus was there. So yes, all of this drew the angels from heaven to proclaim the glory of the Lord. And this birth drew the shepherds from the fields because you may have thought that we've gone further in the story than we have, but we haven't. All we've done so far is had some shepherds go, oh, wow. Starting in verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that had happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby, and he laid in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which they were told by the shepherds. Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back. And what did they do? Glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Now, there's some interesting things in there. I just want to grab them for all of us. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then. I love the fact that that's a quote. So this is the actual words that the shepherds said. Let us go straight to Bethlehem. Now that indicates something. It indicates in the language there that they weren't on the next hill over. These guys were located some distance away, but they were willing to make the trip in order to see the newborn Messiah. You imagine they actually probably had to say, hey, hey, Bob, I know you're not going to come. You said you didn't want to. So could you watch this flock? Because I'm going to go see the king. I'm going to see the Messiah. So they had to arrange for others to care for flocks when they hastened to Bethlehem. The, the, the verb found in, in verse 16 means found after a search. They were on a, a, on a search mission. They knew what to look for, newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and guess what they found? They found him. They worshipped him. They marveled at God's grace and goodness and the miracle that he had brought for them. And these shepherds then are good examples for us today. May Jesus draw us like he drew the shepherds. They received by faith the message God sent them. They received by faith the message that God sent them. What are we supposed to do today? 
We are to receive by faith the message of the gospel. It's the exact same thing. And they responded. How did they respond? They they went. They obeyed. They were all in. After finding the baby, they reported the good news to others. As it says there, glorifying, praising God. You know what they did? If you read that with me and saw that, the angels did what before that? They returned to heaven. You know what the shepherds did? They replaced the angels. They were the ones praising God. They were the ones telling the world. They took the place of the angels. They humbly returned to their duties, but they were new men. They were new men going back to the same old job, but they were new, and they told people about it. Another side note about shepherds. For some reason, probably because they were considered unclean, they were not permitted to testify in court. I don't know if you knew that, but the shepherds at that time frame, if they saw anything that went on during that time, they couldn't be used as a witness in court. If you're a shepherd, uh uh no, sorry. Isn't it interesting then that God used humbled shepherds to be the first human witnesses? the first human witnesses that prophecy had been fulfilled, the Messiah had been born. They got to experience something the angels never experienced. The angels have always longed after how God operates with us. The angels have never experienced the grace of God. They can't bear witness to the grace of God like we can. Because when you say, yes, I believe in Jesus, I believe that he is the Son of God, he is my Savior, you experience the grace of God. He forgives sins that you have no business having forgiven. That's, that's the grace of God. And we, we can bear witness to that. We, we can tell others, you know what? I've been in the exact same boat as you. But by the grace of God, I am saved. I have a Savior. And his name's Jesus Christ. And he's Lord. He's Lord of my life. And he can be Lord of your life as well. All you need to do is to hear and accept the message of the gospel and be saved. And then we can bear witness, which is what we're told to do. Go into all the world. Be my witnesses. Build people up in him. Baptize them in the into the body of Christ, into Him, telling people all along the way what Jesus has done for us. 
telling others about the Savior, like the shepherds, is an obligation, yes, but boy, is it a privilege. We are all believers who must be faithful. And it's weird how things happen. Sometimes you stumble across someone in your neighborhood who's not a believer. And it's just, you know, through everyday conversation, something kind of happens and you, you start talking. It happened to me today. It was a little different than what happened with the result of it. But I was outside today, probably like a lot of you. I was outside putting some stuff in the car, looking around going, I am so glad I'm not in the Midwest right now. Right, right? So, because I could put stuff in the car. And one of our neighbors, I mean, this happened at one o'clock this afternoon. One of our neighbors, who I'd kind of seen over the last few years in passing, stopped, stopped his car, and he's like, Hey, all we do is wave at each other. My name's John. And I was like, I'm Scott. And he's like, Good to meet you. And I was like, so what do you do, John? Now, that's a loaded question when you're a pastor because that you know that's the next thing that's going to be asked back, okay? So I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, that's, that, uh, that's a nosedive into telling people what you believe uh, it for me, okay? So, so you know, John's like, hey, I, you know, I do this. I, I have my own company and I do this. And you know what he did. Hey, so, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I pastor at a church, West Hills. And he's like, no way, there's another Christian on our street. <laughs> and we spent, I think, the next like hour and a half just talking about things of God and the Lord and, and, and stuff like that. And you know what? The obligation's a privilege. And it could have easily been something where he didn't know the Lord. That's a privilege too. But we believers need to be faithful. And yes, Scott gets nervous doing that as well. Why, all right, here we go. Why tell others? Why? God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And the reason I love celebrating this Christmas season is that God sent a perfect, perfect, sinless son from the environment of heaven as a helpless baby for you, for me, for real peace, completeness, wholeness, only available through Christ. And so the question is right now, do you have the peace of Christ in your life? And for many in this room, the answer is going to be a, a wholehearted yes. 
But maybe in this room tonight, there is someone that's like, no, not yet. I'm not at peace. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Nothing else is the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That, that's what Christians have. That's what believers have, and that's what you can have tonight if you say, yes, he has drawn me to him. And I say yes to following him. And then everything changes in an instant. So we are going to celebrate with one more song that holy night. Because the world for thousands of years was in sin and in error. And then he appeared. And then every soul since then who has accepted him has felt his worth. It's, it's thrilling. It's a, it's a hope. It's, it's in the midst of a weary world that we rejoice because there is a new and glorious morn found in Christ alone. And that is what we're celebrating this Christmas and every single day. Will you stand with me right now? Bow your